2: It's easy-to-wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi
3: What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show. It's me, your man, M.G. Marcus Grant. Still masking, socially distancing when and where necessary. Joined, as always, by Michael F. Florio and producer Steve. And uh, Florio, I, I, I want to start with you real quick because we had our whole you know exit interviews. We just finished those up last week. And, you know, I mentioned... At some point that I had written a column where I might have possibly talked myself into drafting Mike Gasicki. And and you told me that you you should have somebody nearby to kind of slap your hand whenever you're thinking about it. Um, I apologize for laying down on the job. If I had known you were going to draft Mike (laughs) Gasicki in a best ball, I would have, you know, tweeted at you or something. What happened?
4: (laughs) uh first of all i guess it's a reason why maybe in early i guess february now best balls are maybe a little bit too early to do but (laughs) i was having a slow day yesterday i figured why not jump in one and my plan was to get like darren waller in round three if he fell he didn't so i started waiting and then there was a run on tight end and i was like you know what my strategy i said on the podcast (laughs) is gonna be early tight end or double digit rounds so then in the the middle of the ninth round almost the tenth round mike iseki was still there and i was like He'll give me two or three maybe good weeks <laughs> in this format. So I grabbed him, and then I took Irv Smith Jr., who you know I love, as, as to double down on tight end. But I needed you there, Marcus. I needed you <laughs> to smack my hand or or something. I, I'm happy you brought it up. I, I tweeted you yesterday saying, please roast me, because for all the Mike Isecki hate I give, I drafted him myself.
3: See, and you know one of the things I wrote, it, it's been, you know, I'm, I'm going to finish up. It's a four-part series. We'll have the last one out uh, on Wednesday. But – Early on, I, I made a joke about how, you know, we tell ourselves that the tight end is deep and then we get to the middle of the season and we're like, tight end's not deep. And, you know, we start kicking ourselves. But then next year comes around and we do exactly what you did. We're like, but Mike Kosicki in the 10th round. I mean, how can I not? And then, you know, you get to him and you're like, I should not have. Um, <laughs> it happens. And look, here's the thing. At least you're doing it in February, um, you know, so that hopefully you get it out of your system by August.
4: That's i was gonna say i need to not feel like oh wow tight end is deep i can wait by august because then i'm gonna mess up all my <laughs> real drafts that i play out and not take tight end early at all
3: right i mean there's one thing to do like i've you know years ago i loaded up i think i did a bunch of best balls in like january and then i got to july and i'm like these teams are trash what was i doing <laughs> um, you know, so it happens a lot it happens a lot absolutely um so I was trying to figure out last week what we were going to talk about now that the exit interviews are over, where we go for the next couple of weeks uh, before we get headlong into draft season. And, and a, by a quick quick note on that, I, I was hoping originally to kind of get our pal Matt Okada, our, our resident ask a nerd on here, because I know he's very deep in dynasty and is looking at guys. But I know Okada is also uh, up to his eyeballs right now in Super Bowl research. Uh, so I told him we would push that back a couple of weeks, let him get through this. Uh, Let him start diving into some more film. So we will get him on to start talking some draft prospects. Uh, I promise we're going to do that very, very soon Uh, because I definitely want him in there. I know that he does a lot of stuff uh, and and he's going to be kind of our lifeline, I think, for the next couple months (laughs) on that thing. So uh, we're postponing it just a little bit just to let him kind of get through his actual job duties before he gets to come in, hang out and have fun with us. Uh, But as I was sitting trying to figure out what to do a whole bunch of quarterback news happened. Um, You know, one of the things was, and we'll talk about this too, the Eagles talking about, you know, the competition between Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts. But obviously the big thing that happened over the weekend was the Lions and Rams pulling off a huge trade that involves a swap of quarterbacks. Matt Stafford comes out to Los Angeles where he gets to hang out with his old buddy, Clayton Kershaw again. They can like, you know, be pals and bestest friends once again in Los Angeles. Meanwhile, Jared Goff uh, and a couple of number one picks go the other way to Detroit, which basically sort of confirms what we all thought, that the Rams were sort of uh, at the end of their rope with Jared Goff and looking to make a move and do something different. So a huge deal all around, which means yeah. before we get into it from a fantasy perspective, I want to take the pulse of Lions Nation This is where Steve comes in. Steve, Manny, you are. It's funny. Since you have taken over this podcast, there has been way more Lions news than I think (laughs) there had been like all season long. Um, But, you know, you had your ode to Matthew Stafford Mm -hmm. uh, last week, which was great. Um, Now that now that they've made this deal, Stafford officially no longer a lion. Jared Goff is there. How are Lions fans? I'm asking you to speak for all of Lions Nation right now. So
2: no pressure. How are Lions fans feeling about this? Uh, that, that is a lot of responsibility. Uh, no, we're we're moderately excited to have Andy Dalton on the team, just that <laughs> nice uh, middle of the road quarterback. Now we we uh, I'm starting to get this feeling like Jared Goff is the new Dalton line. Like if you have a quarterback better than Jared Goff, you have a good quarterback. If you have a quarterback worse than Jared Goff, you have a bad quarterback. Um, and for the Rams, that that sort of worked out. I got him to a Super Bowl, uh, but the Lions aren't very good. Uh, which, is a, which is a problem <laughs> where if, if you were to maybe look at the Lions and Rams rosters up and down, like you might take, you would have taken Stafford, you'd take like Kenny Galladay, TJ Hawkinson, the center Frank Ragnow, and the punter Jack Fox. And otherwise <laughs> every other position, you're taking the Rams. Uh, so it's like kind of a bummer. Cause it's like, all right, so you're not going to tank necessarily, but you're, you're probably not going to be very good for a while. So we've got like four, I guess five opportunities at first round draft picks to get a QB. And at seven, like, is it good enough to get, uh, is it good enough to get like a franchise guy This talk maybe you can get fields at seven? I kind of am skeptical. Uh, so I think basically we're like, all right, this is going to be purgatory for another like five, six years. And uh, it's kind of a bummer. That's
3: the worst being in, being in NFL purgatory is the worst where you are, not good enough to make the playoffs yep. but too good to actually get a high pick I mean the worst thing ever is to be like you know nine and seven eight and eight seven and nine and like you're missing out on the playoffs but you're also picking like 13th <laughs> like, there's, just, yep. <laughs> there's just no upside there Um you know I, I want to say this because I, I feel like there are some decent pieces there right I mean if you guys can you know sort of hug and makeup and kiss and make up with Kenny Galladay after what was a weird yeah. year. Uh, you know, you've got DeAndre Swift there. Um, you know, you've got TJ Hawkins and Marvin Jones is not a bad receiver, even though he's, you know, getting a little bit older, there are some pieces. It's just a question of whether or not you can scheme it up for golf to be, you
4: know,
2: good again. Right. Um, aren't, aren't all those players like a little bit downgraded now with, with Goff in well, uh, I mean, I guess that's
3: what we're going to get to, right? I, I, <laughs> yeah. you know, we're going to kind of figure that out. But um, it sounds like you are perfectly meh about. I mean, yeah, <laughs> <we're>,
2: <laughs> that's exactly where we're at. It's like, oh, we got Jared Goff. Okay, uh, we have Jared Goff.
3: But you did get a couple of number one. You get. A, you did get a couple of first-round draft picks out of it. So, you know, maybe that's something.
2: Yeah, they're, they're future first-round draft picks. So, for now, uh, meh, and maybe later uh, <laughs> if we get, like, Slovis out of USC or something, then we'll we'll feel a little better about it. We'll see. Okay.
3: And we'll have, you you'll have to go to Kurt Warner for the Keaton Slovis uh Scouting Report. What does he think? Uh well I mean early on he was he was cautiously optimistic. I would say Kurt for, for those of you who don't know, and they mention it at every USC game, um Kurt Warner was Keaton Slovis's high school quarterback's coach mm-hmm. uh in the Phoenix area. Um and when he took over a couple of years ago, I asked Kurt about him and he said, you know, he, he wants to be great. Uh, he works hard at being great. We'll see what happens. So there was some cautious optimism. He started out to be pretty good in a couple of years. So uh, we'll see what happens a year or two down the road. So you got that to hold on to.
2: I hope something like that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thank you, Steve. And, and so Steve. Oh, look at you. Rocking I broke stand. it out for you. Nah, the, 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 the <laughs> Matt Stafford jersey, that's a collector's item now.
2: I'm gonna be I honest, I
4: don't even have one. That's pretty I, cool. I, I have, have my 81
2: jersey I still wear.
4: Okay. Yeah. See, so the Calvin Stafford, I was a big (laughs) fan of that combination. So when I was younger, I bought a Matt Stafford jersey and I remembered this morning that I actually still have it. So I was like, Oh, I'll break it out for Steve. Nice. Appreciate it. it.
3: Sweet. Um, Yeah. It's a collector's item now. Like you should, (laughs) Steve, if you could, you should try to go get one real quick, if you can. And and Florio, you should hold on to yours. (laughs) I can give you this one, Steve. (laughs) Oh, all right. Perfect. (laughs) We got that worked out. Look at that, man. We're just, uh, we're making deals here. It's great. Um, (laughs) All right. So let's let's actually dive into this, though, from a fantasy perspective, because you know, we, we went through the particulars of the deal. Um, I guess the first thing is from a quarterback perspective, how much does it impact Stafford coming to L.A.? How much does it impact Goff, uh going to Detroit? Does it does it move the needle either way for either of those quarterbacks for you?
4: I think so. Uh, I, I mean, Marcus, you remember the other day we were talking about Goff and if he would be our starting quarterback in fantasy, and I said 0% chance. <laughs> this just cemented that. Like, I want – if he couldn't get it, be a top 12 quarterback in recent years with Sean McVay and those pieces around him, I certainly don't want him with a uh, – First time head coach and and Anthony Lynn, who is, I think, going to gear the offense to go through DeAndre Swift in the run game. Um, But for Matt Stafford, I think he is a big winner here because Stafford is someone that, at least to me, I think uh, can play at a pretty high level in this in the NFL. Like, I don't think he has been holding the lines back. I think it's kind of been the opposite, Um, especially in the years they had Jim Bob Cooter, where. They just decided to run their offense through a scat back and a slot receiver, which didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, But I think with Sean McVay, this is a good fit. Like they, they run more play action than the lions did. And Matt Stafford is better than Jared Goffin is is in play action. And Stafford is a quarterback. Who's going to throw the ball deeper down the field. He's going to take his chances. And what I like most about this Marcus is he threw like 10% higher of his passes to the running backs position. So, Cam Akers, who is the Ram that I'm most excited about next year, I think it only helps him. I,
3: I I do think obviously you know coming to LA is a big deal for Matt Stafford. The thought I had though is because you know I, I saw universal excitement about it across fantasy Twitter, right? And people trying to figure out where to slot him. I mean, I think right now the consensus is somewhere between ten and twelve uh, for Matthew Stafford at the quarterback spot, and that makes sense to me. But as I was digging in, you know, and and starting to look at this, part of me feels like a lot of this hype and a lot of this excitement is less about Matt Stafford and more about Matt Stafford working with Sean McVay. Um, because, you know, look, Stafford has been – he's been fine over the last few years. I mean, I for a while I, I coined him as one of the patron saints of the church of wait on a quarterback, right? He was that guy. He was one of those guys where if you wanted to wait until double-digit rounds to get a quarterback, you know, he was there – Uh, For years, it was, you know, Tony Romo was there. Um, You know, you list a handful of guys that you would get in in the ninth or tenth round who would give you pretty good numbers week to week. Um, The last, you know, like two years ago, Stafford was hurt, missed half of the season, was on pace to actually have one of his better years before he got injured and missed that rest of the year. This past year, he was okay. I mean, he was fine. Um, But I do still think that some of it is if you get a Matt Stafford who is just, fine is okay. But you put him with an offensive mind, like Sean McVay, I think that's where the excitement is. And I think on the flip side, that's why everybody is really, you know, if you were worried about Jared Goff before, I think you're completely hands off now. It's kind of what you you mentioned to with Anthony Lynn there with an offense that might be a little more run heavy, uh, you know, that maybe it has been in the past and how much that's going to impact Jared Goff also not having, um, you know, maybe the overall caliber of pass catchers. I mean, he's got Galladay and and Hawkinson looks like he's going to be something pretty good. Um, But I think top to bottom, I don't know that, that the offense, the skill pieces are maybe as good. I don't know. um, But I I do agree with you that I think everybody is hands off Jared Goff at at this point. Um, Okay. So then beyond that, who are some of the other big winners? Who, Who do you look at in this thing? You know, not quarterbacks, that you look at, you're like, all right, well, now this guy I'm really upgrading because, I don't know, Stafford is here or Goff is there.
4: I think Cam Akers is the big winner because Stafford will throw the ball more to the running backs, I believe. And and I think they'll have to – the the thing with Jared Goff, right, is his dot last year was less than seven, whereas Stafford in recent years has been like nine, ten. So when you're throwing the ball down the field more, you know, you have to have a safety back. The defense has to worry about the deep ball, which – opens things up near the line of scrimmage. It's why like a player like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire won't have a whole lot of stacked boxes against him because you're selling out to stop the pass. I'm not saying Matt Stafford is like Patrick Mahomes, but any passing upgrade, especially a better deep ball thrower, a better play-action passer, it's going to open up more stuff near the line of scrimmage. Uh, And and where Goff just throwing short, the defense could kind of stay compact and, and stay within like 10 yards or so. I think Robert Woods and Cooper Cup are obviously big winners here because, uh, first of all, Robert Woods led this team on everything in play action last year. Uh, I expect them to continue to do that at a high number. They were in the top five in play action plays last year, so I think that can only help Robert Woods. Cooper Cup, Marcus, he had 35% of his fantasy points and targets in three games last year. So I I expect better, more consistent numbers for Cooper Cup. I think the Rams could kind of go back to what they were Prior to 2020, because in 2017-2018, when Goff was putting up those big numbers, they had a really good O-line, and then that O-line kind of broke apart and stuff. And Goff just isn't good under pressure. And and all the numbers show that Matt Stafford is much better under pressure. So I think that just leads to all around improving this offense and making it potentially go back to what it was a couple years ago when yes, they're still gonna run the ball a good amount, especially near goal line the goal line, but not like last year like last year they were a very run heavy team i think we could see them go back to being a lot more balanced and that just helps everyone on the rams offense i think i'm
3: looking forward to woods especially but woods and cup being more downfield threats um you know i so much of the offense for the rams the last year or so was predicated on golf getting the ball out quickly Um, And just trying to get the ball in the hands of his targets. And some of it is, as you mentioned, he just was not good under pressure. So they just didn't want him standing back in the pocket, holding the football. And so because of that, you really were counting on your receivers to get you a lot of yards after the catch. It's something that Robert Woods is good at. It's something that Cooper Cup is good at. So that definitely helps. But I always say in fantasy, that's a hard way to live, right? Like you just it, it's frustrating to watch your guy catch the ball and the line of scrimmage line is still on the screen because that means that player has to do a whole lot of work. So hopefully this does take some of that work away and they can be more downfield threats. They can pick up yardage in chunks. Uh, and as you mentioned, if that's the case, then that does make things better for Cam Akers and whoever's running the football back there. Um on the flip side, I mean, is this good for DeAndre Swift? I mean, I know you liked him anyway with Anthony Lynn coming in there. Now that you have a quarterback um, that isn't necessarily going to push the ball down the field or a quarterback that you're not going to hand the ball to or, or you know, let him throw it 35 times a game, uh, does this mean more touches? Does it mean more quality touches for DeAndre Swift?
4: I think so. Uh, Anthony Lynn has shown us throughout his tenure as a coach or coordinator in this league that the offense is going to primarily go through the run game. Like uh, in his four-year tenures, his team's ranked in the top five in uh, touches and pass attempts to the running back position. Uh, Plus, we saw when he was with the Bills and before that with the Jets, they just love to run the ball in Anthony Lynn's system. And for a long time, before last year where the Chargers' Austin Eckler got hurt and it was just a hodgepodge of running backs the whole year. Before that, Lynn always has operated with a lead back. And I think that bodes really well for DeAndre Swift because we reference it all the time, Marcus. Like when they came out in the middle of the season, we're like, yeah, we're going to start DeAndre Swift now. Adrian Peterson was like, this should have happened months ago. And he (laughs) was the starting running back. You never hear people saying like, yeah, I should have lost my job to this guy a while ago. But AP came out and said it because Swift is so good. Remember back to the draft process a year ago, before we all got enamored with landing spots, it was like DeAndre Swift and Jonathan Taylor that everyone was saying were the top two talents in that class. And I think this just gives more opportunity for Swift. And I'm hoping that, They really set him free this year and don't get cute by bringing back like an AP or or carry on and just and having him play a third of the snaps, because I think he can be a legitimate, really good RB1 if he gets the full workload.
3: It's like you're reading my mind because I'm like, okay, so this is great. DeAndre Swift, particularly the RB1. But like, are we worried about carry on Johnson just sliding back in there when he's healthy? And um, I'm not I'm not sold that it won't happen. But I am sort of with you and hoping that they just decide, okay, look, that deandre swift is our guy everybody else is just sort of filling in the gaps where need be um you know my i think the worst case scenario potentially is that they sort of give us what we saw early on last year with austin eckler and josh kelly where you know i'm yeah we talked about it before the first two weeks of the season we're like uh uh-oh joshua kelly is gonna be a thing austin eckler's gonna you know and then by like week six we're like who's joshua kelly Um, so, uh, we'll see what happens with that. I I do think that one of those guys, uh, is gonna, is gonna slide in there. Um, so then as we look at the, the sort of the big losers in this, the people who are downgraded, is it just, is it, is it fair to say lions pass catchers in general, just take a big hit after this trade?
4: Yeah, especially because like Kenny Galladay is a free agent and, and if Kenny Galladay cares about Kenny Galladay, he might just try to you know, run and and go somewhere where he has a better quarterback and a better chance of putting up numbers. And if that becomes the case, I mean, unless they bring in another big wide receiver, who are you going to pay up for here? Maybe TJ Hawkinson just because of tight ends. But I think if Galladay leaves, it's Hawkinson and Swift and that's it in this offense. Oof, That's, that's rough. (laughs) 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 Look, and I,
3: along with talking myself potentially into doubling down on Mike Gasicki, I did sort of, Uh, reaffirm my belief that TJ Hawkinson is set to be something good so at least something has come out of my uh, diving into tight ends I'm not completely gonna you know throw away late round draft picks on guys that I hope have upside there's something there I think with TJ Hawkinson Um, that's also you know I also wrote this with the idea of you know not knowing who the quarterback was going to be now I know maybe I'll have to reevaluate
4: I don't know. Tyler Higby flashbacks. Oh man, I,
3: I I didn't hate Tyler Higby. I just didn't know what to expect from Tyler Higby. So that reason, I just kind of stayed away. Um, it worked out for me, but I not, didn't. Right? It worked out for me, but not because I had some sort of great insight that Tyler Higby wasn't going to have a great year. I just didn't know what to think.
4: I'll always have Week Two, Marcus. When he week caught two. those three
3: touchdowns with berserk, and that was kind of the last we saw of Tyler Higby. Uh,
4: last year before we move on real quick yeah. one last thing i think van jefferson is a sleeper m- maybe more for best ball but he could now that they have a down the fields cornerback mm-hmm. maybe he could play that brandon cooks role from a couple years ago that'll be interesting too because he was the guy
3: look i think for for years we've sort of been wondering when or if josh reynolds was going to pop um that's probably not going to happen it's probably going to be van jefferson now but i do think that's that's kind of an interesting interesting call there i like that um The other big quarterback news, uh, Nick Sirianni, the new head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, says he is evaluating Carson Wentz. Jalen Hurts uh, says competition is the core value, which, look, man, that that to me signals (laughs) that Carson Wentz is on the hot seat. Um, I mean, here's a guy that you made your franchise quarterback that you gave a big contract to. Then you go out and you draft another guy. And by the end of the year, that other guy is starting because your franchise guy is struggling. Now they're in a competition with one another. Um, Look, Kevin Patra, who does great work for around the NFL, you know, wrote about this and and he had a good point where he said, you know, yes, in theory, everybody is in competition, right? In theory, a healthy Fletcher Cox is in competition with his backup. But in reality, not so much. So when you say your starting quarterback is in a competition, that seems bad for that starting quarterback. So the simple question to you is – Do you think Carson Wentz will still be an eagle when we get to week one?
4: I don't. I, I, and selfishly, I hope not, because I think if Wentz gets traded, Hurts is great for fantasy and Wentz is, is not bad. So you get two good fantasy options then out of it. But the reason I think not is because there's a lot of QB needy teams. Like it it came out this morning that before the Rams landed uh, Matt Stafford, that the Panthers almost did, and they were actually deep enough in a trade where they were exchanging medical information, and then the Rams blew the lines away and they went with the Lions' offer. So that's another team that I did. I thought they were going to just roll with Teddy Bridgewater again. So if they're looking for a quarterback upgrade, the Colts have been linked, the the Dolphins, the the Jets. I think that Wentz will not be moved. I was surprised that Stafford was moved before Watson, but I think that the quarterback market is kind of going to wait on Watson because. If you're a team like the Jets or or the Colts or any of these teams going after a quarterback, why would you settle for someone that is not the crown jewel? That's my thinking, at least. Like, you try to get Watson, and if you fail, all right, well, we could get Carson Wentz because, to me, it reminds me a lot of this golf move. Like, you can get a big contract off the books. You can get a, a couple of early, uh, maybe first-round picks, and then the Eagles can start to rebuild and really evaluate what Jalen Hurts is because I know the Eagles won a Super Bowl a couple years ago, but... They are they are very far from winning another
3: one. I think. <laughs> they really are. They have they have taken a huge step back since that Super Bowl win. Um, and some of it, a lot of it has to do with uh, the quarterback play has just been inconsistent I mean, to the point that uh, you know, I don't know how much of a joke it was. But, you know, Eagles fans kept sort of. Uh, relying on and praying for Nick Foles, uh, even to maybe come back from Chicago to sort of help them out because obviously he was the guy at the helm when they won a Super Bowl. He's gotten them through the playoffs before. Um, but, you know, I, I am with you, though. I think I would be surprised if Carson Wentz is still there. I think if you get to training camp and you really are having a quarterback competition, an open quarterback competition between Wentz and Jalen Hurts, I just think you're asking for trouble. Um, so I I do think the Eagles are going to try to move Carson Wentz. It's going to be hard because of that contract. You know uh I know you have said, and I think a lot of people have said, maybe figure out a way to get him to Indianapolis. Now that Philip Rivers is gone, Frank Reich is there, and, and Wentz had success under Reich when he was in Philadelphia. So maybe that's the move. um I don't know if the if the take on that salary, but we'll see. But I, I I just don't think that Carson Wentz is going to be there, um, which which made me think about a handful of guys. And, and there could be a lot of, as you mentioned, quarterback movement this offseason. But it made me think of a handful of guys who, uh, you know, the, the clash popped into my head. Should I stay or should I go? So will these guys stay or will they go? Will they be on their current rosters by the time we get to week one? Uh, so I, I'm going to just get your thoughts here. First off, obviously the, the crown jewel, as you mentioned, Deshaun Watson, week one, will he be suiting up for the Houston Texans?
4: I think 0% chance. And I know (laughs) the, the coach and the GM and everyone, the GM who is the reason why he wants out, first of all, could say like, yeah, we don't want to trade him, but we, times have changed in sports, Marcus. And when a player wants out and makes it this public and deletes all the team stuff from his social media, usually means that that player will not be back next year. So I do not think Deshaun Watson will be there. And Marcus, in fact, I was thinking about this the other day. I feel like losing Harden and Watson in the same like time period (laughs) is Houston's real punishment for 2017 and not whatever baseball gave them.
3: That's a fair point because the city of Houston has had a rough go sports wise, right? I mean, I know the Astros made a deep run in the playoffs and and very nearly got to the World Series, but, um, you know, The Rockets have fallen apart. The Texans are right now just a disaster uh, in their front office. So maybe this is. Maybe this is the city of Houston being punished by the sports gods. Uh, I also love the state that we're in currently uh, in the world that we sort of decipher things through cryptic social media moves. (laughs) it, It gets reported when an athlete takes any team stuff off of their social media, like when they delete all their pictures off Instagram or they take it out of their bio uh, how it becomes a thing or even if like you know somehow they have a real estate list in a certain city like people like you know try to try to glean things from that. Um I do think I do think they're gonna have to move on from lots, And I just think it's so toxic at this point. I yeah you know, and, and it just seems like every time they offer an olive branch to try and make things better, then they turn around and do something to make him upset again. Like I <laughs> don't know I just don't know how they repair this relationship. Um The other thing about, you know, about nowadays when you have star athletes, uh, especially guys who are younger in their careers, like Deshaun Watson is, um, they can afford financially to sit out a year, you know, like, I mean, we saw Le'Veon Bell do it. And, you know, I know that, that it didn't necessarily work out for Lev the way I think he wanted it to, but he also could take a year off from football and not really worry about anything, uh, at least financially. And Deshaun Watson, if he decides, you know what, I'm just that fed up that I don't want to play. Um, you know, he'll be fine at least, you know, at least in terms of, of his bank account. Uh, so we'll see what happens there, but I'm with you. I don't, I don't think he's going to be there.
4: It seems pretty fitting that after like the year that they just had, like Bill O'Brien's gone, Watson's probably going to be gone. It sounds like Watt, D hop's already gone. When the dust settles, David Johnson is going to be the last (laughs) Texans. That's
3: that's crazy. It might not be wrong. And that's just crazy. Uh, All right. The next one, Jimmy Garoppolo. And, you know, the the names have been swirling. Look, the Niners were at first reported to be in the Stafford sweepstakes. uh, But I guess they could just never really come to a, a real agreement on anything. So I don't know how far that got. Uh, but there's still talk that you know, Jimmy Garoppolo might be on the move somewhere, uh, even that he might go back to New England. Will he be a 49er in week one?
4: I think the only way he is a 49er is if they strike out on all the other quarterbacks available, because it sounds very much so like they want to upgrade the position. And I get it. Marcus, They like, you know better than anyone. They have so much talent on the offensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Jimmy G just hasn't been able to stay healthy. He hasn't been able to fully take advantage of all the talent around him that when you have Shanahan in those pieces, you got to strike while the iron's hot. So I wouldn't be surprised if they moved on from him, but if they struck out, I also wouldn't be surprised if they just bring him back.
3: A a large part of me thinks he'll still be there in week one. It it won't be for lack of effort though. I mean, I, I do think that that the 49er front office that, you know, John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan, I think they are doing their due diligence. And I think they're making calls and seeing what it would take to maybe get some guys Um, You know, I don't know how hard they're necessarily pursuing Deshaun Watson, but obviously they did make a run uh, in some form at Matt Stafford. So I do think they're looking around. uh, You know, there have been rumors for the last couple of years that Kyle Shanahan really wants to sort of reunite with uh, Kirk Cousins after their time in Washington together. You know, I, I don't know if that happens. I will say that as a 49er fan.
4: There was a rumor floated yesterday, I believe, about yeah.
3: That. As a Niner fan, like I don't know that Kirk Cousins excites me a whole lot. Like it's it's fine, it's a slight upgrade from Garoppolo, but it doesn't do much to to get me really excited. Deshaun Watson, I'd be fired up about that. <laughs> um, Kirk Cousins doesn't really do much, but I I, I have a really strong hunch. Um, that Garoppolo is probably going to be a 49er at the start of next year, unless something major comes along. Oh, and Steve is saying Kirk Cousins and Jerry Goff might be the same person.
4: Uh, I think Cousins is a little better than Goff. I, don't I know. think so, Maybe. but at least for fantasy, a little bit better, but <laughs> right. if he leaves though, who is going to be throwing Justin Jefferson the ball? That's what I want to know. Right. That's the other part. Like if
3: Kirk Cousins leaves Minnesota, what does that mean for Jefferson and Phelan and those guys? So that's a whole other can of worms. We'd we'd have to figure out. Mitch Trubisky, Bears fans are certainly, I think, done with Mitch Trubisky. Are the Bears done? Will he be, will he be at Soldier Field uh, in week one?
4: They have to be right. Like it, it is all everyone, Bears fans, everyone included can admit that taking Trubisky when they did, was a mistake like he hasn't lived up to expectations and make it matters even worse Patrick Mahomes is the greatest talent we've ever seen Deshaun Watson is a top five quarterback in my opinion and Watson I know Rank says it all the time he's the one that really was the head scratcher because he was everyone's top prospect coming out that year and they took Trubisky over him Um, but for Rank's sake my grandma who is a huge Bears fan sake uh, I'm hoping that the Trubisky era in Chicago is done i think it is um
3: the question is where do they go uh because again they they don't have a high draft pick so it's not like they can you know maybe target one of those potential franchise changing quarterbacks um maybe they make a move on the free agent market and and whoever it is i think it's sort of a seat filler right it's a it's a couple year bridge quarterback to get them to something else but i would be very very surprised if, if trubisky is back um one of the names that I have thought maybe could go to Chicago and, and maybe start over is Sam Darnold. They have a new coaching staff there. And, you know, there is talk that maybe they keep Darnold. Maybe they decide to do something else. Do you think uh, Sam Darnold's the quarterback for the Jets uh, started next year?
4: I do not. There's so much smoke coming out of, and I get it for for Watson. Like, yeah, obviously you get rid of Darnold to uh, to get Watson if you can. But even if they miss out on Watson, like, how do you not take whichever one you like better of Fields or Wilson or like, I think Darnold still has potential in the NFL. I just don't think it's ever going to happen with the Jets. I think that he needs a, a change of scenery because if they don't, whether they take a quarterback at two or not, Darnold is always going to be compared to that player. Uh, and the fans, I, like if he gets up to a slow start again, they're just going to turn on Darnold. So I, I think he needs a fresh start. And I think the Jets organization knows that. And I I do not expect him to be back next year. I, I do think it's best for everybody involved to just sort of go their
3: separate ways right now. Um, I'm not willing to give up on Darnold, you know, partially because, you know, fight on and everything. But I, I just, I don't think he's bad. I just, I think he's been in a really bad situation that i think it i think it'd be hard for a lot of quarterbacks to sort of overcome uh the things that that Donald has had in his way with just poor coaching uh just kind of a lack of of talent around him i mean it just it's just everything you don't want for a young quarterback he sort of had to deal with it um like so I, yeah i think it's time to just move on to if,
4: the if they took Josh Allen instead of Ar- uh, Darnold, i don't think he is playing at the level he is right now if they took Lamar over him i don't think Lamar has an mvp like circumstances matter in the nfl and the jets are one of the worst you can go to right now
3: yeah they they really are i know people are optimistic though about what it's going to mean now that robert sala is the head coach and and all of the pieces they are trying to bring in there i know there's optimism but it also feels like there's been optimism uh you know around the jets before uh so i will reserve judgment as somebody who's an impartial observer i refer, I, I reserve judgment uh until we actually see something so that brings me to just a quick kind of re- review, year in review of the quarterback position—the the things that we liked, didn't like, whatever. Um, for you, like you, who was or who were your biggest preseason hits? The guys that you just knew from the start of the year they were going to have big years.
4: Uh, for me, it, it specifically would be Josh Allen, but I think it is just that second tier of quarterbacks because Mahomes and Lamar were going like second, third round, and then there was a big gap between quarterbacks. But in like the Some drafts fifth, but usually like the sixth or seventh round, there was a group of Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, and Russell Wilson. And to me, those five quarterbacks were the ones that I was targeting in all my drafts. And all five of them ended up having a really big year outside of Dak who got hurt. But I think, I mean, if he stayed healthy, it looked like he was going to have a monster season as well. So... For me, I think it was kind of changing my approach at the quarterback position and seeing the value in the second tier and targeting those guys. That is where I went very heavy last year. Um, like I said, I, I had a lot of Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott,
3: Russell Wilson across my teams. And all three of those guys uh were pretty good. I know, you know, we we talked a lot about Wilson sort of fading down the stretch last year, but you know, the first half of the season plus. Uh, he was lights out. It was great. Um, you know, Deshaun Watson, I think kind of got off to a, what we consider to be a slow start, but he was great in the back part of the season. And, and it, I think with, with Watson, if you factor in sort of the guys he was playing with just the general turmoil in Houston um, you can make a case that, that he was arguably the best quarterback in fantasy this past year. I know the numbers don't necessarily say that, but I think, you know, if you kind of adjust for everything and situation, you um, he had a great year. And and I think you know, that was one that we could all hang our hat on. And I do think that the Josh Allen, even for, I think, the most optimistic Josh Allen fans, I don't think they anticipated this kind of year for him. Um, we knew he could run the football effectively. We knew he had a big, strong arm. We knew having Stefan Diggs was going to help. I don't think anybody predicted that he was going to, you know, throw 37 touchdown passes that he was going to have, uh, you know, the rushing success that, that all of it combined would come together. So I do think anybody who sort of, sort of pegged Josh Allen and bet on him this year ended up as a, a pretty big winner. Um, on the flip side, We talked about Carson Wentz. I I sort of thought maybe Carson Wentz could could have a sleeper year. I didn't. I think I drafted him maybe on one team. I didn't. I didn't spend a lot of draft capital on Carson Wentz. Uh, But I did sort of tell myself a story where if he stays healthy, if his receivers stay healthy, that maybe he could be a top eight quarterback. Uh, That was not the case. Uh, I I whiffed on him. I sort of whiffed on Cam Newton, but I didn't spend a lot of draft capital there. Um, And maybe Cam is just cooked uh sad to say cuz he just looked bad for a lot of the season um anybody else that you looked at and you just you just whiffed on last year
4: yeah. While I think I hit big on the upside QB ones, I definitely swung and missed on what I thought were the upside QB twos. Cam Newton was very much so in that group. Uh, so was Daniel Jones, which was yeah. terrible this year. I really like Garner Minshew and I don't think it was all Garner Minshew's fault while he was a bust last year, because he was consistently giving you like 18 points a game, but then they realized like, Hey, we actually may win a game with him. So let's go with Mike Lennon. So that kind of took the wheels off there. Um, but yeah, that was a tier that I had, and, and Joe Burrow was in there. He was good until he got hurt. But that was a tier of upside quarterback twos, and man, did they disappoint. I forgot about Daniel Jones because yeah, I was big on Daniel
3: Jones this year, and that that just didn't work out. Um, and I'm 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 sort of wondering whether or not we are close to the, the Daniel Jones ceiling. If if we're at a point where this is just who he is, and, and we should just you know, prepare accordingly if you decide to draft him as a QB two. Um, so. We both talked about drafting some of those mid-tier guys, right? Waiting until the fifth, sixth round, go getting a quarterback. Does this mean the wait on a quarterback era of drafting is over? Have we gotten past that now? Is that is that done?
4: For me, it is because I, <laughs> I all the quarterbacks that we said earlier in the tier one, you throw in Aaron Rodgers now, you throw in um, Justin Herbert. Uh, may I, People are starting to hype up Trevor Lawrence to be a potential QE1 in fantasy. Uh, and then – there's Jalen Hurts if he's the starter. I think outside of that, that's that's like eleven or twelve quarterbacks. Then you could throw in, you know, like the the Stafford's, maybe the Taysom Hiller, the Jameis Winston's, the Tom Brady. That's fifteen. That's that's fine in a normal league. But after that, quarterback thins out very quick. I think. Like, do you want to be starting a big band or or? A Jared Goff or, you know, like I don't. So for me, the wait on quarterback era is over. I'm going to try to grab one of those top 10 or so quarterbacks, especially the ones who can give me points with their legs as well, which is why for a second year, while I expect to have Aaron Rodgers ranked very highly, I don't anticipate having a whole lot of Aaron Rodgers on my teams. That's the thing is, you know, you talk about
3: how the, there's a drop off, right? And I went and looked and, and you look at the top 10 or 12 quarterbacks. And these are all guys that are averaging – um, about 20 to 21 fantasy points per game. You get past that top 10, that number goes from 21 to like 18, which, you know, that's a pretty significant differential, especially over the course of, of 16 games, right? You're talking about, you know, somewhere around 50 points difference uh, between those two types of quarterbacks, and so, you know, which which sort of brings me to my next point is that we talk about quarterback being deep maybe it is, but maybe it's not as deep as we think it is, right? Where you, you have a handful of guys that you can start every single week. You know, you can start uh, you know, Lamar, you know, Patrick Mahomes, maybe Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, for sure. Uh, you know, Kyler, those kind of guys, but maybe there's eight or 10 of those guys. And beyond that, you are sort of streaming the position, right? If you went and you decided to to sort of bank on uh, a Kirk Cousins, a Matt Ryan. If you're drafting those guys, you're also sort of playing the waiver wire, or you've got a second or even a third quarterback on your roster. Um, I mean, I know that that's an easy thing for us to say. Quarterback is deep, but maybe it, maybe it's time that we we rethink that. That you know, and maybe that's why quarterbacks are coming off the board early, right? That maybe we've started to realize, Florio, that maybe this position uh, is deep-ish, but not actually deep. Am I crazy?
4: No, I don't think so at all. I also think the position landscape changing has affected it a lot because even like five, ten years ago, the top quarterbacks were guys like Breeze, Brady, Manning. They weren't running. They were You were going to get all the points with their arms and the touchdowns, and it's easy for someone like Phillip Rivers to come close to that production. But now that these quarterbacks are running so much, like you said, Marcus, uh, the top ten quarterbacks are going to give you over 20 points each game. The other guys might give you 18, but – Their floor is low and their ceiling is a lot lower. Like Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Mahone routinely were scoring over 30 fantasy points. They were routinely giving you over 15 as their floor. So the floor is so much elevated than those other quarterbacks. And the ceiling is they can go off and win you a week. Whereas those boring, uh, you know, like later quarterbacks who are going to give you like 18 in a good week, maybe they give you like 23 they're just going to keep you afloat in every week. They're never going to win you a game. And when they have a bad game, single digits is possible. 12 points is possible. You're not going to get 10 points out of Patrick Mahomes in a game or, or Josh Allen or Kyler because they can add those points with their legs and their offense are just so explosive that, to me, I, I, I think, again, this year there's a sweet spot. Like, I'm not going to pay up for Mahomes because he's going to be the QB one or two every year. Allen or Murray, if they're going in like – the, the second, third round, maybe. But if I can get, you know, a a Watson or a Dak or something like that in the sixth round, like that to me is the perfect spot to strike at the quarterback position. I mean, that, that
3: running component just becomes so much more crucial. Uh, and and we've talked about the fact that you had Rodgers and Brady in the top 10 who just didn't run. Rodgers, 149 rushing yards, Tom Brady with six, which I still look at. And I think that's a typo. Like I keep having to double check that because it just doesn't, it doesn't feel even for Tom Brady, it just doesn't feel plausible. But, um, I mean, and I look, so like Aaron Rodgers, let's say next year, instead of throwing 48 touchdowns, he throws 35. Good year. It's not a bad year at all. Um, but that's about a 50-point difference overall from where he was, which, you know, this year takes him from being a top two or three quarterback to just barely in the top 10. Uh, and so that that means the margin for error is is so much smaller for those guys who just don't pick up those extra yards on the ground. And and I do think that, you know, it's it's something we just have to take into account when we start drafting. It also makes me, you know, it also sets me up for my yearly rant about how we need to change quarterback scoring. Um, <laughs> because I, I think, you know, and everybody, whenever I bring this up, right, and every, every so often I bring it up on Twitter and I get flooded in my mentions with a whole bunch of, why don't you just play in two quarterback or super flex leagues? And my response to that is always that, like, all that really does is create scarcity and it doesn't necessarily separate the elite quarterbacks from the just okay quarterbacks. Um, I, I mean, I started this rant last year after Jameis Winston threw 30 interceptions and was still a top five quarterback. And I was like, we need to change this because this isn't good. Um, but I also do think there, there's gotta be a way that, that we can kind of set up scoring so that we one to understand uh, what the elite quarterbacks are, who they are. And, and we draft them accordingly. Cause I just, I keep feeling like if we all agree that Patrick Mahomes is great, um, why should it be a why should it be a strategic disadvantage to draft him? I don't understand that. That's a thing
4: that I don't I don't get. Um not only do we think he's great, Margaret, like I think the nine out of ten football fans, if you ask them who the best player in football is, they're saying Patrick Mahomes.
3: Yeah. Right. But but we get to fantasy and you're like somebody drafts Patrick Mahomes in the third round. And everybody's kind of like, ooh, I don't know. I'm like, that doesn't make sense, right? Like and I know that fantasy and real football don't necessarily correlate, but I do think that's one thing that should work, right? Like if you have a great player, it should not be a disadvantage to draft that player. That's all. I just wanted to get that rant in there. The
4: Cole Wright approach, take Mahomes in the first round because he's right. the best player. Hey,
3: man. I mean, you know, look, Cole Wright, our old pal uh, now doing work with the Cubs. Like He was uh, it was Patrick Mahomes. last Before that, it was Drew Brees. He's like, look, I'm going to go and get myself a great quarterback and I'm going to just ride that guy uh, as far as I can. Uh, but I, I do. Like, we need to change quarterback score. We can do this. We can do this as a group. Let's get some smart people on. Maybe that'll be one of the goals for the offseason. We get a lot of smart people together, and we try to figure out how to make this all better. Um, as we wrap up this whole quarterback in review thing, uh, looking ahead to, to 2021, I know you've done your rankings. I am in the process of kind of putting together my projections and rankings. Uh, who are your top five quarterbacks for next year?
4: For me, Mahomes is one, because and, and he's just the safest. Like, is he going to be the QB one? No. But do I have any doubts that if he's healthy, he'll be top three, top five? No. So he is always QB1 for me. I have Josh Allen as QB2, and Kyler Murray as my QB3. I've debated those two pretty heavily, but I trust Allen's passing a little bit more than I have Kyler. Uh, And then my QB4, I've taken a little bit of heat for this, but I have Dak as QB4 because last year Dak looked like he was going to just shatter all the records in the first month of the season. (laughs) And then he got hurt, and people are like, oh, but he's coming off of a bad knee injury. Torn ACLs are... They're, they're like almost like routine now. So I expect Dak to come back and, and be his normal Dak self uh, and, and with those pieces around him and the lack of defense. I think he can throw a ton. And then for me, as of now, it, it depends on where he lands. But my QB five is Deshaun Watson. He could definitely get a big boost if he lands in a favorable scenario, maybe fall a spot or two, if not, because. I agree with what you said earlier, Marcus, like look at the situation he was in last year and look how well he played. I think no matter where you put this guy and who you put around him, he's going to put a big number. So those are my top five. But there's like three after that, that you could all debate you know, <laughs> really in the top five.
3: Uh, as our as our old pal Akbar Bajavi Amila used to say ACLs are the new sprained ankle. Um it's a it's an exaggeration, but the point being is what you said. Like we we have seen so many guys return from ACLs. I think the procedure, the rehab has got to a point where um, it, it's it's a devastating injury, no doubt. But I don't think it is sort of the the death knell that it once was. Uh, you know, say ten years or so ago. Um, my top five. You and I have the same names. We just have them in slightly different orders. I've got I've got Mahomes as my number one because why not. Josh Allen as my number two. I've got Deshaun at number three for me. Um, You know, maybe that changes if he's not in Houston or you know whatever they do around him. Maybe maybe he moves you know down or or up maybe a spot or two. But he's my number three. Uh, Number four for me is Kyler. Uh, it was just sort of weird to kind of watch him struggle and fade, and maybe the shoulder injury had a lot more to do with it, um, you know, than anybody wanted to let on. But he did kind of fall apart, and that that worries me a little bit. But he's my number four, uh, and I put Dak at number five. I don't, I mean, I don't think it's controversial for you to have him where where you did, uh, because he looked so great, because they relied on him so much, and because that defense was bad. And you know, may, maybe the defense gets a little bit better, um, but you also have to figure Ezekiel Elliott is a year older. He's not the workhorse that he once was, and so I think a lot of it is going to be on Dak's shoulders to, to try and carry this offense. So I, you had him at four, I got him at five. I don't think either one of those uh, is particularly crazy. Um, by the way, yeah. No, I think Lamar's just outside my top five. Um, I just, you know, I, I want to see them do more with their, their receivers. I want to see them do more with their pass-catching group, like, uh, it was nice to see Marquise Brown sort of step up late in the season, but they need some more depth there. You know, he's great as a runner. I, I, I He's good enough as a passer to be a top 10 quarterback. I need a little more in that area before I, I put him in my top five. That's all. Um If you haven't already, you should come check us out, though, on YouTube. YouTube.com slash NFL Fantasy Football. we got plenty of good stuff there, so you can uh, like and subscribe and get all the new stuff. In fact, I believe there's something that uh, just came out uh, today, or it's coming out very soon. By the time you listen to this podcast, it might be out. We uh, we have our Fantasy Awards. Me and Florio kind of go over some of our Fantasy Awards for the 2020 season. So you can go check that out at uh, YouTube. Um, Before we go... I was reminded by a friend recently that we are approaching the 30th anniversary of the 49ers attempting a logo change. Uh, I believe it was. Uh, they officially announced this on February 13th, 1991. It was not even the lead of the press conference. Uh, they were t- they were introducing a new GM. Um, they were talking about contracts to sign. I believe it was at this press conference that the uh, the guy who took over, Carmen Policy, who was kind of the team president slash GM. Uh, I think he made a reference to you know I don't know if Ronnie Lott can still get it done at a high level. Uh, Ronnie Lott went to the Raiders and still did it at a high level for a number of years, so that was kind of a swing and miss. But the other part of it is they un- they unveiled a new helmet with a new logo that was immediately destroyed. And this was in the years before social media, obviously, uh, but I remember, you know, at the time I was growing up in the Bay Area, and I remember seeing it, and the backlash was swift and loud uh, about how awful this 49ers logo looked, Um it, it, it said the word 49ers on it. It was this weird script. It was terrible. Uh, everybody hated it. And within a couple of weeks, the team was like, ha just kidding, we're not going to do that. Uh, and they went back to the old helmet. Um, but it did make me wonder... What is the worst logo in pro sports? And, you know, Steve, you can jump back in here too with this. I don't know, if, Flora, if you want to go first, I don't know if you've put together uh, a couple of candidates, but just made me think of what is some of the worst logos you remember seeing in pro sports?
4: Well, I never saw this 49ers logo before, Marcus. If they stuck with that one, it would be that one because that thing <laughs> was not, not good to look at. And, and their logo is so iconic. Right. Um, For me, though, the worst one – Uh, It's a football team. It is the Cleveland Browns because your name is the Browns and your logo is not even Brown. It's an orange helmet. And like watching football one like earlier this year, my fiance was like, why are they the Browns if their logo is just a orange football helmet? And I was like, I wish I could explain that to you. I have no idea. They, they changed it recently and it went from like, like a slightly different hue of orange, I think was the change or something. It, It makes no sense. Like, get a dog like the dog logo they have is pretty sick I, I just don't get the orange helmet one at all how do you feel about the elf which elf you've ever seen brownie the elf i don't know if i have you should google got like google
2: orange
3: hat. yeah and he's got like a little he's a little you know jaunty elf holding a football um yeah you should google brownie the elf um
2: it's not a better logo i wouldn't say it's an upgrade on the helmet
3: it's a really weird logo it's a weird logo it's a weird i don't know where they came up with it uh i don't know if there's any browns fans i'd hope they're browns fans who listen to this pod if you if you know where or how brownie the elf came about i would love to hear about it
4: mascot is dressed up in like elf pants and stuff
3: (laughs) (laughs) um all right steve what what do you have one or two i I do okay um
2: I actually had the Cleveland Browns down, but I had a contingency plan as well. Um, so there was a point in time, and I'm not sure when it was, but Major League Baseball got together and everyone agreed, we're going to do letter logos. We're going to do slick letter logos. And they the Toronto Blue Jays were exempt because they had a cool logo that everyone liked. But the Baltimore Orioles decided they were going to go with a weird cartoon bird. And if you look at all of the logos kind of collectively, that cartoon bird looks like it was drawn by um, a middle schooler, like a, a fucking cartoon. <laughs> it, it's really ugly. And they could easily just use, and you see it, they could use that orange O or even a B. But for some reason, they, are, they have this fascination with this like kind of fat-looking bird. It's not intimidating <laughs> at all. I, I don't and get that don't,
3: one. People don't like that one. I, I, I don't know. I guess I'm weird. I thought—I don't hate it. I won't say I, don't I, either. I love it, but I don't hate Interesting. it. Um, I did like when the Orioles changed to the more uh like you know, it, it looked like a bird like that you'd see like at a natural history museum, like it was an actual Oriole that they had on their <laughs> yeah. hat. Uh that was <laughs> definitely better. Um, but yeah, I didn't I didn't hate the fat bird logo um
2: myself. I, I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> uh
3: for me, I would say one the one that popped in mind and uh for some reason and i'm not I'm, I'm not picking on your your town steve but oh no um, well the, when the pistons changed to that weird horse with the tailpipes and yeah and horsepower i mean i know what it was for <laughs> it was awful um <laughs> I, I i get it you're the motor city and right. you know the, the the automotive center of of you know america and maybe the world um no it was just all it was like a chess piece that you put racing stripes on it it looked terrible um i was not a fan of that one they and won a I, championship with that one right they did win a championship with that one yep. so you know i guess you know i should shut up but you know they, they still won. <laughs> that's
2: why they won too
3: right uh, the, the, uh, <laughs> the 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 runner-up for me and it's not that i hated the logo but steve do you remember when the tigers had that messed out looking tiger logo
2: yeah it, it was that uh, briefly used it was never always like the only one but yeah i know what you're talking about
3: i remember it expressly because i so i have some very good friends and and they would go their grandparents lived in detroit and so they would go to visit their grandparents and so like one year one summer they they brought me back a detroit tigers pennant they went to a tigers game hung out they brought me back a pennant and it was the logo with the the methed out tiger on it with his eyes like popping wide um and so, like I, you know, for years I had that on my bedroom wall as a kid. And so, like, I expressly remember that. And I was like, even like, you know, even when I was like ten, I'm like, why does the tiger look so scared? Like, what
4: is going on? I yeah. I had never seen that logo until right now, and it is awful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it just, it was like a nice try.
3: Like everything was fine up until you got to the eyes. And it's then, so
4: easy go. to make a lion intimidating, and they went with that. It just, seriously, it's like somebody the tiger. scared the
3: tiger and uh, <laughs> it messed it up.
2: These oh. bad logos seem awfully targeted.
3: <laughs> I, guess, like, I, I picked them and I was like, "I, you know, Steve's going to think I'm picking on him, which I'm not. <laughs> it just it just so happened that two logos that I I did not like uh, happened to come from the same city. So that's all. We'll have a uh,
2: discussion after about this.
3: Yeah, yeah. You know, um, <laughs> You know, and look, if you want, you can roast me about the 49er logo that almost happened, but
4: didn't because it's terrible. It's not a logo, Marcus, but the Giants, I think it was in the 90s, had a really weird mascot that only la- like, I forget what it was, but the San Francisco,
3: the San Francisco Giants?
4: Yeah. Oh yeah, no the
3: the crazy crab from the like the late <laughs> '70s, early '80s. Here's a story about the crab, and I know we didn't you know plan on getting into like this, but the the crazy crab because you know the city of San Francisco is has traditionally been sort of you know outside the box in its thinking and doing a little bit of weird stuff. The crazy crab was intended to be an anti mascot to poke fun at other mascots. Um, so he would come out and they'd play a song. It was like, hey, look at that crazy crab. They'd play some song. And like the fans were encouraged to boo the crab and they would, you know, they would throw things at the crab. So like whoever was in the crab would, you know, have to like duck and dodge <laughs> debris thrown at it. Um, but yeah, it was, it was awful, but it was intentionally awful because it was designed <laughs> to poke fun uh, at mascots. For, it might've been making fun of the San Diego chicken for all I know, but yeah, it was, <laughs> it was designed to be awful and it, it hit the mark. It didn't last very long because I think, after a while, they couldn't get anybody to wear the suit because they didn't want things thrown at them. Um, but yeah, I the watched
4: a short thing on that, and like someone who did the crab once was like, "Yeah, I got hit and I got hurt one game, like I got <laughs> eat, like a beer or something like that." And I was like, "Yeah, that's that, that probably wouldn't fly today, but I, I, it's amazing." Yeah, yeah,
3: uh, the crazy crab. For anybody who hasn't who hasn't uh, seen it, go look up crazy crab, San Francisco Giants. Um, and it is a whole thing it is awful looking it has like big bug eyes and uh it's a crab it, that's, that's the best <laughs> thing i can say about it it's a crab um i think it has a mustache too or something i don't know um yeah so just nothing to do with giants uh yeah these there's a lot of seal i don't know if you remember Seal. um no. yeah yeah that that's that's there uh I, I think I'm getting the rap sign because we have gone off the rails here. That's probably a good idea. <laughs> Thank you, Steve, for, uh, for bringing us back in. Uh, so there you go. That is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You know the drill. Tell two friends and tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, Elevators smell different to little people. Be safe, take care of yourselves, wear a mask, and we will see you on Thursday.